precious, precious servant of yours. We thank you, Lord, for all the ways that she pours life into the students of this congregation and this community. And we pray that you would bless her by the power of your Holy Spirit to speak through her words, through her heart, uh, to show your love for all of us, Lord, through your servant, Melinda. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Angie. Welcome, Melinda. Good morning, everyone. Honestly, I was like, uh, who did I upset around here that I get stuck talking about the naked guy? Because, <laughs> but, and it's hard to come back after that his kids message. I was kind of like, do I really need to go up there now? He did fabulous. So, but um, as weird as it sounds, there was a very important reason why Micah rolled into town naked. <laughs> and I want to actually teach you a little bit about that because it just kind of seems a little weird. And I know we've had other speakers that have talked a little bit about maybe some of the quirks um, or personality traits of our prophets. And so I wanted to speak a little bit into this because it's kind of... It's kind of the elephant in the room, right? It's a little awkward. So I thought I'd speak some truth into that for you this morning. So again, there was a really important reason why he did that. And one reason that he did that was because for the Hebrew culture to mourn and to grieve, they would do things that would have an outward sign or an outward symbol. And so some of the other ways that we see it is that they may go barefoot or they may just be in their undergarments. Um, we see that they have maybe thrown, thrown dust or they wail. They do things as outward signs to show how grieved and sorrowful they are. And so that could be one of the reasons why Micah did this. But we also know that there's another reason why Micah did this. And it's because he had a really, really important message to give. And it was a message that it needed attention. And it was because the people of Judah, they were doing things that were awful. They were doing things that were wicked. They were doing things that were unjust. And they were hurting each other. And because of that, God hates injustice. God wants people to love one another, to take care of one another. Because from the beginning of time, that's how he created us. He created us as his children. He created us to be equal and that we should take care of one another. And his people were not doing that. And so because of that, God's wrath and judgment was coming. And what that was going to look like is was the Assyrian army was going to come in and take over and enslave them. And it wasn't just the Assyrians that were coming. It was the big bad Babylonians were coming after that too. So it wasn't just one wave of destruction. It was another one after that. And so part of the reason that Micah does this outward sign is to give them almost like a living object lesson of what was coming their way. That they were about to be stripped of everything that they were going to be left with nothing because they had rejected God, because they had turned away from him. And it was also a way for Micah to say, I don't think that I am better than you. I'm not up here saying that I, I've got it all together and I've got it all right, that I am actually standing here alongside of you, that I have a message because this message will affect me as well. And so that's why he does this. And so I just hope that that gives you a little deeper understanding and a little, little depth into that. Because again, this message is super, super important. And he needed them to pay attention and to listen. 
And so, as I said, from the beginning, God has had this plan for us that his creation would be representative of him, that we would be just people, that we would look at each other at an equal playing field because we are all made in God's image. We are all God's children, and we should treat each other as such. But that's the reason the prophets came, was because humanity was not following that. God's chosen people were not following that. And so I want to share a little story with you to maybe help you guys have a better idea of what I'm talking about. And because I work with high school students, I have to share a story from high school. And so here it is. I'm going to be vulnerable with you. I was a band geek and a theater nerd in high school. <laughs> so um, that was my clan. Those were my people that I hung out with. And honestly, we would sometimes get made fun of, right? That's just kind of how high school is. And so there was like a group of guys that they weren't always nasty to us, but they had their moments where they would just pick on us or make fun of us or just kind of make us look bad so they could look better. And then I remember one summer, it was uh, right after my sophomore year, it was that summer that one of my friends actually started dating one of these guys. And you'd think, oh yeah, she's in good with them now, maybe they'll, they'll, you know, ease up on us a little bit, maybe not make fun of us as much. And no, it was the exact opposite, is that she had found that by dating him, she actually looked better. And that she would then use that to make herself feel better and to look better, and that we were still the joke. And it was actually almost worse because she had been in our shoes, right? Honestly, I don't think that's very different for these people that Micah is speaking to. You see, back when they were enslaved in Egypt, the Egyptians oppressed God's people. They enslaved them, they used them for their own self-preservation, for their own way to get ahead, they had been terrible to God's people. And so God comes in and says, enough, I am going to set you free. I am going to show you mercy, and my wrath is coming for Egypt. Because again, God wants us to be just to one another. God wants us to love one another and to take care of one another. And so we see the people of Judah forgot their past they forgot that they had been those people that had been oppressed, treated unfairly, unjustly. They, were the, they forgot that they were the ones that had been stepped on. And so we see in Micah that he's got two messages up front for these people who had forgotten the love of their God, who had forgotten the love of one another. And so we see in Micah 3, verses 9 through 12. Hear this, you leaders of Jacob, you rulers of Israel who despise justice and distort all that is right, who build Zion with bloodshed and Jerusalem with wickedness. Her leaders judge for a bribe, her priests teach for a price, and her prophets tell fortunes for money. Yet they look for the Lord's support and say, Is not the Lord among us? No disaster will come upon us. Therefore, because of you, Zion will be plowed like a field. Jerusalem will become a heap of rubble and the Temple Hill, a mound of overgrown thickets. So Micah starts with these accusations and these warnings because the people had been, the leaders, had been awful. They had been 
pushing down the little guy. They had been taking advantage of the poor. They had been stealing land, and they had been doing all this for their own self-gain, their own self-preservation. They were just selfish. They became thieves. They were greedy. They were, they were pretty bad people. And God was really upset with that because really the leaders are supposed to be taking care of the people, not exploiting them. And then we see that it's not just the leaders that, that Micah is accusing, but it's also the prophets. There are prophets that are supposed to be speaking on God's behalf that actually they are looking at it for their own gain. What can I get out of this? Maybe for a little extra money I can tell you what you want to hear. So they're basically using their position to again exploit people and take money from them and again help these leaders further corruption and injustice. God says enough, <laughs> enough. Judgment is coming. The Assyrians are coming. The Babylonians are coming. I will stand for this no more. And so this is Micah's warning to them that they better turn their ways, that what they are doing is not what God had created them for in the first place, and that they had forgotten his love. But I'll tell you, it's not just doom and gloom with Micah, that there is a flip side to this, and we saw this in our His Kids message, right? Is that Micah then says, but we have a good, good father. He is loving and he is merciful, and he's not just going to say, here comes my wrath, I'm out, figure it out. He says, no, I love you. I'm still going to take care of you. And so we see in here that there are messages of hope. And one way, and we can maybe see some of this reflected too in the New Testament, one way is that Micah tells of God being like a good shepherd, a shepherd that is going to come and rescue his flock, that he's going to bring them back together, that he will restore them as long as they follow him. And then we see this other message in here is that it is this promise and is a glimpse into the Messiah. It's a glimpse into the coming of Jesus, that Jesus is going to eventually be the king and the ruler of all, and that he is going to establish peace and righteousness and justice, that all this evil that's been existing, all this judgment and wrath, all that will be no more eventually because God is not just going to leave us He's not going to leave us out to dry because God loves us so much. And so um, Micah gives this message of hope because God really is about righteousness and justice. And so um, I just want to make sure that we're all still on that same definition of what justice is being defined as. And it's seeing each other all equal and as children of God and treating each other as such. It's about an unselfish way of living. And so when we come to know Jesus as our Savior, when we come to see and know the grace and the love and the mercy that God has for us, just like in our scripture reading, God calls us to act that way, to act like those people that have been shown grace and rescued. Micah 6.8. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. To love as we have been loved. To forgive as we have been forgiven. And we've seen this woven throughout scripture because God is about bringing us back to him 
and restoring our relationship with each other. And we see this, I think, really clear in the words of Jesus himself when he is asked what is the greatest command, and this is in Matthew 22, 37 through 39. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. God wants us to be close to him and then to seek after others and to bring others to know him too. And I think this ties in really well, this message that Micah has for us. I think it ties in really well actually with our mission trip. Um, before we left on this mission trip, actually, there was this quote that kept coming up for me, and it felt really random, because it did. It just kept appearing in weird ways, like either on, um, honestly, on Pinterest. <laughs> there was also um, a mission trip shirt that I had seen. I had heard other like, speakers share of this, and I was like, okay, God, antennas up. You want to tell me something about this. And so this quote actually comes from Dr. Bill Magie, um, who is the co-founder of Operation Smiles. And it says, love by definition is self-sacrifice. Love is a decision to make someone else's problem your problem. Love is about putting others before us. Love is about making somebody else's burdens and problems your own. Because honestly, too, those burdens and problems can sometimes be the wall that is up between them knowing the love that our God has for us. And so it's our jobs as followers of Jesus to help break down those burdens and to help show how amazing God's love is. And so love by definition is self-sacrifice. Love is a decision to make someone else's problem your problem. We see this also in Galatians 6.2. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. I, again, I feel this ties into our mission trips because honestly, that's what our student ministries mission trips are all about. Is we have the opportunity for our students to come and know the love of Jesus. For some of them, it's the first time. For some of our students, they're friends. They might not have a home church or they might not be very active at a church. And so this is their first time maybe even hearing about the love that God has for them and the new life that he wants to offer them. And then we have other students that go on these trips that have been, on these, been a part of the church, been on trips before, and it's a chance for them to grow deeper in their faith, for them to maybe come closer to Jesus, closer than they have so far. Because that's what our mission trips are. We have our days, our book ended with Jesus. And then he's in the middle too. But we start our days off with worship. We, we come together for an amazing worship service. And then we close our days with another worship service and with small group time and time in his word. But then also, we're called to serve. We're called to take on somebody else's burdens. We're called to make somebody else's problem our own, and that's when we go out and we do some mission work and we serve in the community of wherever we're at on that trip. And so this year, um, it was kind of interesting, but I saw Jesus work in some really amazing and powerful ways through this trip. Um, honestly, our service work got rained out two of the three days that we had to work, and so it was kind of a bummer. It was like we were expecting to just go out there and be the hands and feet of Jesus, but 
Jesus wanted to show us that in some different ways. So our first day, we actually got to work, and what we were doing is we were um, at a really beautiful state park in Missouri, and we were going to be fixing stair a stairway for them. So we ended up carrying buckets, these big, like, five-gallon buckets of gravel and rock up a hill. Um, it took teamwork. <laughs> we needed to support each other and to cheer each other on and take care of each other. But it wasn't just us taking care of each other, is that at this state park, you think, okay, how are you really doing mission work? Nobody sees you, you're in the woods. Not at all the case. We are in this amazing recreational area. There are people everywhere, there are boats, people in swimsuits, people hiking, like it is a populated place. And what was so awesome to see was that as our kids are working in the heat, is that people would stop and go, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? Why are you, why are you fixing these stairs? And so it gave our students the opportunity to share their faith, to share their story, and to share about the love of Jesus. And it also gave them a chance to just show joy in some amazing ways. And one of my favorite stories you'll see actually in the video, but we actually had a dad who was coming down, and as he was coming down the stairway, and our kids again are hauling these buckets of gravel, he's like, what are you doing? They don't even make prisoners do work like this. And here we are, some teenagers and adults from Minnesota doing this. And all of a sudden we look, and about five minutes later, here he comes with his son, who's probably like seven or eight maybe in there, comes walking up the stairs, hauling buckets, won't let us help him, because he says, if you guys can do this, I can do this, and you have now inspired me. Our kids inspired this guy to make a change. And it, it may have just been a little seed that was planted, but it was an amazing opportunity, an amazing appointment that God set for us with them. Another day that we got rained out, I ended up taking the kids to a movie. And I know that sounds like, what, you went to a movie on your mission trip? But actually, the movie we were at ended up having like 50 preschoolers in it. And if you think about it, 50 preschoolers with popcorn and candy and all that, theater's a mess. <laughs> and so we actually cleaned up the theater afterwards. And I wish I had had a picture of the guy that had been working there. Because the look on his face, and he just kept saying, why are you doing this? Why are you guys so nice? Why are you being so kind? And he just, you could tell, he almost couldn't wrap his brain around it. But it had such an impact. And honestly, that may have been the first time that somebody took on a burden for him and showed him some love. And our kids got to participate in that and experience that. And so our kids got the opportunity to support each other. There were some rough points on this trip. They got to take care of each other in ways that I have never seen before. I loved how they encouraged each other, they looked after each other, but then also they knew it was just beyond our little group too. And so I have a video that I want to share with you so you can have a better idea of what our week looked like um, and hear a little bit from our students of how they either came to know Jesus more or how the mission work impacted them and others. So if we could play that video.
this trip, I think I just brought closer to God because we had um, a lot of kind of close calls with the weather and with the food and like just kind of everything was kind of touch and go sometimes. And um, but God provided for us and everything always worked out fine and we were always safe. And even if we were kind of worried in the moment after everything was said and done, it had all turned out fine and we had a ton of fun. Erin, how did this trip help you to grow closer to Jesus? I think there were a lot of different ways that this trip helped me grow closer to Jesus. Okay. But one of the ones okay. I, that sticks out to me is worship. Seeing there were so many students who were all invested in the same thing. We were all invested in God, and I just thought that was so cool. God this week uh, probably was through all the services and worships we went to because these people made the worship so powerful. Like you could tell they were going like all out trying to get us to get closer to God. But they did a really good job with that because I myself felt very like in the service. Like I felt like I was a part of them and a part of God. So that's how I felt impacted. And then my favorite part of the trip was probably going canoeing, even though we nearly sunk a lot. Um, with a bit of God and a bit of luck, we definitely managed and we were able to dock a boat with only half water filled canoes. Like, yeah. That's it. One of my favorite memories from the trip was when we were working at Hahatanka State Park and we saw people coming up on the trail we were doing work on. And they talked to us and said, oh, it's nice of you and stuff. Then pretty soon we see uh, a dad and his son carrying up buckets, helping us. So that was just great to see, and like the work was flowing to others. great job I love it <laughs> I love those kids um, so as I close today Micah's message is not just a message for the people of Israel a long time ago it's still a message that rings true for us today is that we have all done things that have been unjust we have all treated each other in ways that have not been loving that have not been representative of Jesus but God wants to tell you today that he forgives and to come back to him. And so my prayer for you, for each and every one of you, is actually two things today. The first one is that you would have an opportunity or a moment this week, or many would be awesome, but where you come to see God at work in your life, where you come to know his love in your life, and that you would have an awesome moment with him this week. My second prayer for you is that when you know that love, is that you would love others as yourself. That you would love others with an unconditional love like God has shown you. That you would remember the words from Micah 6.8. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for your love and your forgiveness. Lord Jesus, we thank you 
for this prophet that spoke so long ago, but it still rings true today. Lord, that you should be number one. And Lord, that we should love others the way that you have and the way that you have loved us. Lord Jesus, we ask that you would forgive us for the times that we have forgotten that, for the times that we have not done that. But Lord Jesus, again, we thank you. We thank you that you have mercy on us. And Lord, that you can lead us in a new and a different direction. Jesus, set those divine appointments for us this week, that we can be your representatives, that we can be your hands and feet. And Lord, that it can just be something really small. But Lord, that we would take on other people's burdens as our own. Lord, that we would love others selflessly. Lord Jesus, again, we thank you for you, and we thank you for this message this morning. And it's in your holy and precious name that we pray. Amen.